0: Hey, Uncle Weed, why don't you break out some of that private stash?
1: I'm hunkered down under a makeshift driftwood structure of some kind in Kleckwatt Sound on the west coast of Vancouver Island. So belongs
0: lost traveler. Come share your stories. I'll share my dreams. This is an example of what happens when a rainforest doesn't get any
1: rain for an entire summer. (laughs) I don't want to see big stumps, I want to see big trees.
0: Maybe we'll make things a little bit better, if not perfect. A
1: little better, if not perfect. a little better, if not perfect. Well, I'm chugling on here at Clackwatt Sound. Clackwatt Sound is a stretch of coastline along the west coast of Vancouver Island. And, well, it's an area that has been known for the last while. It's been an area in transition, an area filled with a bit of this tension between the old natural resources-based economy and new tourism-based economies or something like that, but I've been here a couple days, and wow, the memories are just flooding back.
0: Heaven a place in your history that holds the your. believe it's time for a
1: toke on the porch but i remember lots of folks camping out on the beach in the and it was it was awful rainy when i was here at that time too that's for sure but well, it hasn't been the last few days and people catching salmon and people getting together and bonfires and yada yada right and uh and you're allowed to have beach fires in the parkland now but not outside of the parkland. Um, now, I also remember the whoop-de-whoop roads going into Tofino, and I remember being in a little coffee shop, looking out in the rain, saying, wow, what a neat little quiet town. There was hardly a thing there. As far as accommodations, there, there was certainly very little that I noticed at all. But now coming into both Ucult and Tofino, the roads are dotted with bed and breakfasts and campgrounds of all sorts of different kinds, um, whether it be inside the parkland, which is a little confusing to me, because within what seems to be the park boundaries, There's um, an airport and a golf course, and various private campgrounds and vacation rentals, as well as the camp-managed ones, and then various beach accesses, and then the ubiquitous little permit-vendor machines, which is a whole other topic here that it's a little bit on my nerves, to say the least. Um, But I'm not sure the political auspices were at that point of how it's organized, and how these concessionaires are able to go in and get access to the park reserve to do their commercial activity because there's also a restaurant and there's an inn and it's a little bit confusing to me. But now cutting through and getting into the park is a little bit odd as well because there's a, a you're chuggling along a highway and there's a sign saying you're now in the park. If you're using the park, you've got to get a pass, but you have to go through the park to get to Tofino. But there's no sidewalk. There's bike lanes outside of the park going into Aculet and then from outside of the park into Tofino, but not through the park. And so there's this little side of the freeway and there's no trail that takes you right down into the park so you can walk along some other alternative thing aside from the side of the road. So if you're on foot or on bicycle, you're obliged to go along the road and then go into one of the beach access points. Um, And there's little interpretive trails that have, you know, the little plaques and tell you what's going on. And, which is, you know, I like my history and such, and I like learning about the, the um, you know, the shipwrecks. And there was another one uh, that was, you know, this park is twinned with a park in South Korea. And there was a plaque talking about the valiant efforts of Canadian forces fighting with the South Korean troops against the North Koreans and the Chinese. And the Americans had been uh, beat down and and retreated and then the Australians lasted another night but they were beat down and retreated and then the Canadians started having their own position bombed after a night of hand to hand combat and yada yada and isn't uh, now here's a memorial for them and i just uh, kind of bummed me out right cuz anyway you slice it that just sucks man because you know all these valiant fighters went down and they're all dead and they got a plaque but what was the reason for that war again hmm anyone figure that out give me a call so anyway But there's all these plaques and stuff, right? But they have these exorbitant fees to come in and just gain access into the park and use any of the facilities. And sure, it sounds like, oh, you're grousing and it's a lot better and it's great that they have this thing. But it's like the park fees, they have the thing saying, here's what your park fees have gone to benefit. And instead of being things that promote sustainable and low-impact, tourism, like walking trails and bike paths, it's like, well, we enlarged this parking lot, we put some RV pull-throughs, we put some dumping stations, we built out that campground there, and we put in some interpretive signs, and I get a little frustrated by that, right? And they have the big interpretive center, and the rangers are there, Pretty, they have a plasma TV in there showing, like, these slides of self-congratulatory remarks, like, oh, the Canadian Park staff just made my visit super... And the little shiny pictures and, you know, the whole thing, it just annoys me a little bit, right? But again, it goes back to, are my ways of tourism where I just want a kind of a wilderness-style campground, maybe a fire pit and a picnic bench, um, and a little bit of privacy and quiet, uh, are, the, are my needs more important than the guy with the 45-foot RV who's chewing across the country and his big old, you know, uh, with his handy powered with his gear on the back? So, but... <sighs> I kind of put forth that my uh, my needs are a little bit more <laughs> important, but this is sort of self-serving to say the least. So, um, so anyway, it's a little bit frustrating to me, and it also the way it's set up, it's sort of like this honor system. But then you get down with a ticket, then you got 24 hours to try to to pay up, and you got to go to the visitor center and they chastise you, and then go through this whole monetary transaction. They p- charge you by person. But does that mean, like, if you're not going in there with a car, you should pay less? I certainly do, and uh, and I've gone ahead and done that a, a couple times as well, and and hiked down in with my paints and my paint and canvases strapped to my back, but had a really hard time finding a place. And then just walking along the side of the road, there's a lot of trash and junk, where it's beer bottles and. Beer cans and cigarette packs, and there's a certain contingent of people that motor along that road that definitely aren't they're, they're locals one way or another, and they're screaming down the road and kind of harassing, you know, and there's definitely some resu- resentment to the tourist trade as well. But probably the the uh, the biggest shakeup to this tourism trade right now is uh, <laughs> well, they announced that the town of Tofino is closing down for the weekend. Because of uh, a lack of water, and they've used up all the water, so all commercial activity has to stop as of Friday, and they're only going to allow residential water, and uh, and that's it. If all the people with reservations, the accommodations, are having to call and cancel, they've had to open up some emergency reservoir water, but you have to boil it. Now, the campground where we're staying at is in Ukulet, so we're okay. Now, back in the day, Uqulit it was like, well, that's the logger enclave, and like you don't go in there because they're not friendly folk or whatever. But now it's uh, it seems to be built up with the uh, smattering of coffee shops and and uh, campgrounds and B and B's and zimmers and guest houses and hotels, and they have a, another little inlet, that kind of round in part of the hammerhead, and uh, and tourist services, um, and apparently they've invested a lot of money into sewers and water, and uh, are fed by a variety of three different. Rivers where Tofino hasn't spent their money wisely and and haven't invested in water. Now, Tofino's a little bit of a bigger town, and it's quite small, but there's like a a couple docks there. There's the crab boat dock, and then there's a few tour boat docks where there's uh, different closed cabins and Zodiac boats uh, zipping the tourists off to whale watching and bear watching and Hot Springs Cove. Um, But it's still the busy high time of year, so it's a little bit expensive, eh? And there's just throngs of people. And, you know, again, walking along the side of the road, I was just, you know, uh, noticing just the incredible amount of traffic heading in and out. A lot of RVs, man, the endless RVs and the trucks and the trailers and all the extra crap, you know. But the main attraction for a lot of the folks is the surfing. And so there's also a lot of cars coming in with strapped with surfboards and uh, to take advantage of really what must be Canada's, one of Canada's few surf breaks. Um, which, and it's a remarkable long beach and with some really nice surf waves here for sure. So a lot of folks are here for the surfing. But a lot of folks are just here on their kind of their tourist circuit. And it's not an easy place to get to. I mean, there's nothing else around, there's only one road into town and out. But Jesus sure is a lot of them. There's also float plane docks and. Um, All sorts of recreational uh, floater vehicles, and a little library, and a little hospital, and coffee shops, and a grocery store, and stuff. So it'll be interesting to see what's still open as this time goes on. You know, I don't know how much of a how deep an effect the ban will have on the services. And if that's included in the commercial businesses and how much of this is kind of a commercial, like a political play, you know, maybe it ties into some of this tension about, you know, it's definitely a a hit to the tourism thing. So there's probably people saying, hey, the tourism shouldn't even be, it's less sustainable than logging is because, look, it's using up all our water and we didn't have these problems before all these folks from out of town were coming in. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Well, I'm going to chugle on up the trail here from Half Moon Bay and head into uh Bay and check out a little bit of the, uh, the surf in there and maybe bust out the oil colors and catch up with you a little bit more and see if I can't find out a little bit more about these, uh, water, these uh, water issues and tell you a little bit more about the accommodations, just kind of the practical stuff about, you know, staying here and where to do it and stuff if you come to visit. Uh, a little trail that 's on boardwalks through some uh, some dense rainforest here with just big old crazy snags and of trees and all sorts of different stages of life, from the wee ones to the big hairy mossy ones to the the dead ones falling across and rotten with new ones growing out of it so it 's pretty remarkable but i 'm walking down a half moon bay which is next to Florencia Bay, which is next to Wiccanimanish Bay, which then goes into Long Beach, and Comers Bay, and Cox Bay, and Mackenzie Beach down at the end. But the whole area is known as Clackwit Sound that blends into then Barclay Sound slightly to the south. But it's been a little bit of a... um, a little bit of a flashback coming back here. All of my memories are really, you know, not... Not too many in distinct memories, but the ones that are there are really, really vivid. And it was really a turning point, or a cataclysmic event, so to speak, in me uh, crystallizing my mm, ideas about how people should work together, resolve conflicts, and seeing how groups work together, and seeing how sometimes what seems like a victory uh, in the long term could be nothing but, uh, well, a road down the wrong way, to be sure. But uh, so, anyway, I'm coming up on Half Moon Bay, and yesterday I spent the day at Florentia Bay, which is just the next uh, one over, and there's just a little cove along the same shoreline, separated by uh, various headlands. But Florentia Bay, uh, named for uh, there was a, a wreck, a boat called the Florentia, and along this whole area is just uh, rife with, with shipwrecks over the years. And the names of them uh, are all printed out on the maps, and oftentimes. Written, uh, written about with the names of bays or mountains. But suffice to say that it's a rocky, robust coastline, and you look out from the beach, and well, the next step's Hawaii or Japan, or, uh, whichever direction you end up drifting. Because there's no other islands. Oh, here I am. I'm just coming down around the corner now to this big walkway. Got to be a little bit wary here. This is going to be a bit of a doozer walking up. I'm walking now down to Half Moon Bay, and it's wide sandy beaches and as you might expect with a name like Long Beach the beach is wide and goes on for about 10 kilometers altogether and then uh, it's kind of on this big hammerhead shaped peninsula that at one end you have Tofino and just off from Tofino it heads up to Muir's Island and a whole smattering of other little islands and to the south end of this hammerhead shape is Chukulet and then farther south yet is a set of islands called the Broken Islands that reminds me so much of the rock islands in Palau. I've been thinking a lot about Palau, which is an island group. And let me digress here for just a second. An island group in Micronesia. And it's a whole smattering of little wee islands of varying ecosystems and sizes. But uh, this reminds me so much uh, about it, all the varied plant life. And... Uh, as well as animal life here too, although it's quite different than Palau. I've seen a, a couple of bears already, a bear cub, and then another uh, couple of bears out roaming the area. And of course, we're not in immediate danger, but you do have to keep all your gear packed up and locked up. And uh, be wary of all that. And I have to be wary not to break my neck walking down these trails. That was chapter three of the Rainforest Dispatches series on Chugalan. If you were at the blockades, I'd certainly like to hear your reflections and recollections rather than relying on my own hazy memory. Consider making up a little audio comment and together we can make an epilogue and continue this conversation about conservation. Same goes if you just have something in general to say about sustainability and this tension between logging economy and fishing and water storage, and just how is it that we sort all this out anyway.
0: V- Dubai, 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 Dubai. Wander on over to chugulan.com. It's ideal for ramblers.